0: To express oneself honestly, not lying to oneself, and to express myself honestly, now that, my friend, is very hard to do. And you have to train, you have to keep your reflexes so that when you want it, it's there. The expression of the human body. I mean, the everything. I mean, you know, not just the hand. And when you're talking about combat, well, I mean, if, if if it is a sport, now, now you're talking about something else. You have regulations, you have rules. But when you're talking about fighting as it is, with no rules, no fighting, well, then, baby, you better train every part of your body.
1: I'm not surprised, mother.
2: I'm not impressed by your performance. What's up?
1: George. I like Victor McCartney pulling me about folks. That's how I like to roll. You feel me?
2: Nobody gonna take this bet. Thank you guys. Thank you so much for this opportunity.
3: I'm
2: proud of of you. for you. Don't bring your dog out
4: of me. I'm the man of the hour, Joe. Too sweet to be sour. What you see is what you get, and what you don't is better yet. I fight for
2: the fans. I wanted to keep fighting as long as it took, and I wanted to win this title. Thank you, everybody, for coming out. I get it! I don't have much left to say other than you have seen nothing yet.
0: (laughs) Running water never grows stale, so you got to just keep on flowing.
1: What is up, Penn Nation? Welcome back to yet another edition of BJPenn.com Radio. As always, guys, I'm your host, Kinch. This is the fighter's voice, the voice of the fans, and we've got another great show lined up for you guys tonight. As I promised last week, we'd have a kick-ass guest list this week, and we have been able to deliver on that promise. Lots of news to get into. Actually, you know what? Not too much news to get into because I need to save it for sake of time. But before we get into the guest list and the important news of the week, BJPen.com forward slash MMA News is your premier source for all the latest and greatest in the sport you love of mixed martial arts. All the trending topics, all the hot button issues, all the interviews, exclusive interviews at that. If it's newsworthy, we've got it. Go there now. BJPen.com forward slash MMA News. We are the largest independently owned and operated MMA News site out there today. We appreciate all the support and love. Keep it up, guys. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Google+, Instagram, etc. Stay up to date on this wonderful sport of mixed martial arts that we all love. Guest list for tonight. As I mentioned, awesome show lined up for you guys. Four kick-ass guests. Let's get right into it. Coming up first, 8.15. One of the big winners from UFC Auckland. Up-and-coming guy, a featherweight, a gentleman who uh, used to play professional rugby and decided to try his hand at mixed martial arts, and so far, so good. Talking about Alexander the Great Volkanovsky. We caught up with the Aussie earlier this week, recorded an interview with him, got to recap the big win over uh, Mizuto Hirota. Tough guy. Nonetheless, Alexander got got the nod from all three judges. Unanimous decision. So we'll recap the fight. Get a little bit of a background on him as a martial artist. How he transitioned from rugby over to MMA. What he'd like next in his career. And we get some details on some of the stuff he was talking about post-fight. That he was really sick going into this one. And uh, felt that his performance suffered detriment from that. However, looking at it, you never know. So great conversation with him. I know you guys will like that. Second guest coming up at 840. K1 Grand Prix winner, kickboxing superstar and legend, turned fight promoter. I'm talking about the former president of World Series of Fighting, which is now Professional Fighters League, Ray Seppo. They've rebranded and restructured World Series of Fighting into this Professional Fighters League, and the stuff that they're doing—mark my words—if this all works out for them, they're likely going to revolutionize the sport here. Really, really interesting stuff in regards to the structure of pay for fighters. They're bringing back the tournament format, and they're going to do uh, like a regular season with with uh, with the playoff season. Very interesting stuff, and as I said, really could revolutionize the sport. So we get into the details of all that with Ray, get the inside scoop on on what this thing is going to look like when it unfolds in 2018, and of course, we preview the upcoming card they have on June 30th, uh, headliner being um, John Fitch taking on Brian Foster. So again, great conversation with Ray, really cool stuff. I'm sure everybody's going to uh, going to be very happy for the athletes that they're finally going to get an organization to go to that's going to treat them this well. You'll hear you're, you'll hear all about it in our conversation with Ray. 9 p.m. again. This is 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific. Oh, I'm sorry, I never mentioned that. Sorry, guys. We air it each and every week. <laughs> 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific, every Wednesday. 9 p.m. Dominant Victor from UFC Singapore. Went on a tirade following the fight. Called out just about everybody in his division. I'm talking about Chaos Kobe Covington. We caught up with him, got to discuss the the big win over at Dong Hyun Kim. Dong Hyun Kim. A stun gun. I mean, they get, the judges gave him, one was 30-27, one was 30-26, and the other was 30-25. If that doesn't tell you how dominant he was, well, nothing else is. So we recap the fight, talk about his performance, and what's next going forward. He's called out Tyron Woodley, called out Rafael Dos again, he's called out Neil Magny. He's looking to reign terror on the division, and we get the scoop on all of that when he'd like to return to action. And as you've heard on this, on this show with, with both Kobe and Jorge Masvidal, they've been on the Easy Money Tour. Well, Kobe has his own tour now. He's calling it the Embarrassment Tour. So we get into the details about all that. Great conversation with Kobe, as always. And finally, 9.30 p.m., closing out the show tonight. Our captain, our namesake, the legendary... B.J. Penn. Always an honor to speak with B.J. It's going to be great to have him on the show. He'll be calling in live. I know I've told you guys that we've been uh, recording interviews to air here. We'll be talking to B.J. live on the phone. Oklahoma City. UFC Fight Night 112. That's coming up this Sunday. B.J. will take on Dennis Seaver. We're going to talk with the prodigy about his preparation for this fight what it means for him and his legacy, what his next steps are going forward. And of course, we're going to get into it about his rekindled relationship. Well, not so much rekindled. I I don't think it was ever needed rekindling. But he's working with the legendary Marv Marinovich yet again. And in days prior, or years prior rather, when BJ was working with Marv, it was the best BJ Penn we've ever seen. Domination of Diego Sanchez, Kenny Florian. Those are fights that he was working with Marv. I expect the prodigy of the days of old to come out to that arena in Oklahoma City. A lot to talk with him about. It's going to be a great way to end the show tonight. Of course, always much love to the to the captain and our namesake, BJ Penn. Uh, very excited to speak with him. So, kick-ass lineup tonight, guys. I know you guys are going to enjoy it. All great interviews and a stacked show, as I promised you guys last week. Lots of news. I'm going to try to skim through this quick for sake of time. But we got to address the tragedies of this week first. Firstly, the loss of Tim Haig. He's a Canadian mixed martial artist. Many have called him a, a, a pioneer of Canadian MMA. Been around the game a long time. And from what I understand, he was one of the nicest human beings on the planet. He went into a coma last week, was declared brain dead, and then unfortunately later passed. Rest in peace, Tim. Our thoughts and our prayers go out to Tim and his family. And if any of you want to help, go check out the GoFundMe page that was created for him. The response has been incredible, and I hope that that continues. Uh, you can find all of that on the site, bjpenn.com forward slash MMA news. One thing I'd like to say, though, is that after watching the footage, Tim was clearly hit to the back of the head multiple times. The referee did nothing, even after Tim said something. And secondly, I, I was always under the impression that three knockdowns in a round and the fight is over. I could be mistaken, but it seemed to me like Tim was knocked down more than three times within a round, and the fight should have been stopped much earlier. Maybe there wouldn't have been this tragedy if that was done. His opponent for that night, it was a boxing match, by the way, his opponent for that night gave his response this week as well. You can find that on the site. And then the other heartbreaking news from this week, which I'm sure you are all aware of, involves Matt Hughes. Matt was struck by a train while he was in his truck and has been in critical condition. Uh, While he has been, his family gave an update, a positive update. He's been responsive and and squeezing people's hands. There's now talk of him possibly needing to be brought to a brain surgeon. Um, Matt is also one of the nicest people you could ever meet. And this has been truly devastating news uh, for the MMA community, much like Tim Haig. Um our hearts go out to Matt and his family and, and we wish him a speedy recovery. Uh, please continue, guys. Penn Nation, everybody, anybody who listens to this podcast, please continue to show your support in whatever way you can. And uh let's all pray that the champ wins this fight, much like he's won so many others in the past of his historic career. Um so again, our hearts grow up go out to the Hague family and the Hughes family as well. Uh Really, really tragic and sad news this week. And, and again, we hope that Matt can make a make a speedy recovery. Other news to touch on quick: Cyborg, Megan Anderson. It's official, UFC 214. Uh, you can check out our interview with uh, Megan from earlier this week on the website. Uh, she had a lot to say. Great interview. Talked about the the fight with Cyborg. Said she won't be surprised if Cyborg shoots for the takedown. Uh, she's a tall girl, a strong girl. Very interesting matchup for Cyborg. Can't wait to see this one go down. Uh, Jermaine, Jermaine was was stripped of the title. She released a statement, which you can read on the site as well, um, said that she was unaware of it pretty much until it happened. So uh, unfortunate for her. And then <laughs> the UFC ironically puts out a statement that we expect our champions to defend their belts against whomever we choose, Well, I'm sure we can all name several people that have had a different treatment than that. But nonetheless, Cyborg's taking on Megan Anderson, official for UFC 214 in Anaheim. Going to be a great fight. Nate Diaz being sued by his former management team over his earnings against Conor McGregor. This management team is seeking $1 million in damages. And uh, this might force Nate to, to take a fight much sooner than we all expected um details on on the on the lawsuit are on the site as well bjpenn.com forward slash mma news if you guys want to read that in depth uh adrian broner called him out for a boxing match this week as well stay tuned to that stay tuned to the site for more developments on on this as well Um, and finally the conor mcgregor and floyd mayweather uh promotion continues to build some steam People weighing in on the fight from all angles, all the stuff's on the site. Triple G and Canelo, Oscar De La Hoya bashing it again. Lots of coverage on this. Again, it's all at BJPenn.com forward slash MMA news. Connor. <laughs> the video comes out of him, comes out of him rather. Uh, today, I believe. Tim hitting playing cards out of the air, being thrown to him by Ido Portal. You might remember. The previously mentioned Nate Diaz saying that that's the guy he plays touch butt in the park with. Very funny line. Nonetheless, Ido Portales is his, his, his movement coach. I don't think people should read into this too much. I think we can just assume it's a fun way to do an accuracy exercise. However, Connors put up a mural of him knocking out Floyd Mayweather, had it painted in his gym. Interesting stuff. Visualization is key, my friends. So, again, all this and much, much, much more from this week, all at BJPenn.com forward slash MMA News. Go there. Stay up to date. If it's newsworthy, we've got you covered. So, guys, we're going to jump right into it. Kicking things off with Alexander Volkanovsky. Had a great conversation with him. He was actually on some kind of mountain range in Australia somewhere. Camping, about to go on a hunt. And he said, oh, I'm on, you know, this whatever siding face of this mountain so I can have reception. Didn't really break up at all. I was surprised. So props to him for taking time out of uh, his post-fight celebrations. I guess this is a ritual for him to to go for for a hunt and and camp out. Hope he caught something. And, uh, yeah, great interview. We're going to kick things off with Alex. And we're going to jump right into it. Got a lot of ground to cover and only a two-hour segment. So, BJPenn.com, BJPenn.com Radio, this is Kinch. We're going to jump right into things here with Alexander the Great Volkanovsky. All right, Penn Nation, we are now joined by one of the big winners from UFC Auckland. Of course, I'm talking about Alexander the Great Volkanovsky. Alexander, what's going on, man?
4: Oh, nothing much, mate. I was just here. I'm on the side of a mountain so I can have some re- uh, some reception and uh, have a chat to you, mate. I'm, uh, this is usually what I do after my, my fight. I go away camping and, and just get away for a little bit. And then, uh, yeah, back to reality as soon as I get back home. But, yeah, this is something I do after all my fights. But, yeah, it's nice. Got a good view here while I'm talking here.
1: All right, cool. So, obviously, with that being said, Going out of your way to speak with us tonight, we, we are this morning for you rather. We greatly appreciate the time. Sounds like you're clearly enjoying yourself after this uh, big win on June 11th. Yeah, yeah,
4: definitely, definitely enjoying myself.
1: So, uh, is as you said, it's a it's this is a ritual for you to go camping, hunting, to, to celebrate. I mean, when do you expect to be back in the gym?
4: Yeah, oh, well, I've actually already been back in the gym. I, I usually go, straight. I don't ever stop. To be honest with you, I uh, like to. <laughs> Fit, you know, all, the, all that hard work getting fit. I don't like to lose it, but I just love I love training, so it's all a big part of it. But I mean, I do love to go away for a few days, and uh, that's just something that I, I do after each fight. So I'm just getting that out of the way, and then yeah, and then I'm going to be back to it straight away.
1: So tell us about the fight with uh, Mazuto Hirota. How happy were you with uh, your performance overall? Well, I.
4: I was pretty, uh, pretty happy, considering um, you know, as I've been uh, saying to people, I was actually pretty quick running uh, into that fight. The last couple of my uh, last couple of weeks before the fight was uh, a bad run. I had to be honest, I had a really bad run. I, I end up going to the UFC retreat, and before that, I was in Thailand. So I went Thailand to Vegas, and then Vegas back home, which like it was like 30 hours from Thailand to. To Vegas, I was there for four days, and then another like 20 hours back home. And the traveling just rocked me. Trying to, trying to work and train after that, and I just started getting sick. And man, and one after another, I ended up getting the flu for a few days. So I wasn't training, and then ended up getting a bad fat infection. And I, I was um, on antibiotics till uh, a day before the weigh-in. So I was uh, considering, you know, as bad of a run as that, and I ended up catching a cold the night before the fight as well, so I I I had a bad run, but I mean, to get the win and still last the three rounds was unbelievable.
1: Well, I'll tell you what, first off, I commend you for being able to go out there and put on that kind of performance, uh, considering all the jet lag and sicknesses and stuff you had to go through, but that being said, it doesn't look like it reflected in that performance whatsoever. Um, It sounds like you were pretty happy, aside from obviously being sick, but... Uh, did Mizuto do anything out there that surprised you? Did he have the game plan that you were expecting going into this fight?
3: No, I wasn't
4: surprised at all. Uh, Like, he probably, um, as I said, because I was crook, I was worried about gassing. So I didn't really want to commit too much to So when I had him hurt. Like, I thought I had it, so I really did try to finish him. But then uh, that sort of chance sort of escaped me, and I was like, all right, well, I better slow down. Like especially knowing how like how you know, my my camp was were being thick and stuff like that, I don't want to gas. The last thing I want to do is just yeah, you, know, you know, just fully get into it. And the next minute, uh, I you know he comes back and beats me because I'm too tired. So I end up playing it a bit more safe. And even in the clinch, I felt a lot stronger than him. But again, I didn't want to fight too much. so I was always just doing enough just to sort of get me through them situations. But usually I'm a little bit even more aggressive and and usually if I get someone hurt, I, will, I won't stop till I get that finished, because uh, I, I usually got a really, really good gas tank, but again, I was just uh, a bit worried about that, so I, I held back just a little, so no, I wasn't really surprised with it. I knew he was uh, going to try and get in the clinch with punches, um, I, I made him sort of lunge with a few of them, but like, some of them would catch me, but I was always on, on, you know, going away from the power, and going away from his power hand and stuff like that. So I felt safe in there, and I was, like I said, I was just sort of playing it safe uh, while trying to perform at the same time.
1: Well, as a spectator, I would never have known, man, if you didn't say anything post-fight. As I mentioned, great performance. You pressed the action throughout. Uh, what was your game plan going into this bout, and and do you feel that the, that the sickness and the jet lag, did that hinder you executing that game plan?
2: Yeah,
4: well, I... Uh... Yeah, I wanted to get the knockout. I, again, uh, I keep saying because I was worried about gas. I was like, oh, I need to finish this early.
2: Yeah. And I know
4: uh, he tends to get hit. He, he tends to get hit as fair did as well. So uh, I've noticed like in a lot of his fights, you know, a lot of times he, you know, he's always had a good chin. He's never been uh, knocked out before, but he does get hit. So I thought, you know, if I land a good one on him, I'm going to put him down. I'm going to make sure I finish it. And and that's sort of how I wanted it to go. Again, I didn't want a three round war because of. You know of how how the last couple of weeks were, but I guess yeah, he just could take a punch. <laughs> Definitely could take a
2: really
4: good punch. He took them spinning elbows and even some of the ground and pound and some of them overhand rights. So, there, yeah, not many people could take them. So I, uh, you know, applaud him for that. But yeah, I'm a bit disappointed I didn't get the finish.
1: Well, uh, that leads into one of my next questions here, perfectly. You know, you were able to drop him in the first and second, uh, even the third, if I'm not mistaken really looking for that overhand right. Was that a strike that you knew was going to land going into this fight, and were you at all surprised? It sounds like you were, that, you know, in his ability to take some of those shots.
4: Yeah, I, I knew the overhand right would uh, work uh, work well with him. Like I said, he keeps his hands reasonably low, and he likes to come in and he throws a, throws a couple of punches and comes in for the clinch, and his hands are usually reasonably low. So I was either getting out of the way or let him come in, and then I'll just come and I like, land overhand right and sort of catch him as he was trying to come in, which worked a few times, but I didn't expect him to eat him so well, and <laughs>
2: yeah. keep
4: going, like, it was crazy, like, especially that first one, I, you know, hit him pretty hard, he went down, and even into some good ground and pound, and he, he done well, he, uh, you know, tucked his head in that little bit in where I couldn't throw the elbows anymore, I had to go to the, the um, the hemophys, and he done really well, and I knew that, I was like, oh, alright, well, he, uh, I don't <laughs> think, um, I think he's back to it now, so I'm going to have to have to slow down and uh, try and find a, another way of getting him.
1: Now, you were certainly able to uh, display a wide variety of skills. You threw some crowd-pleasing shots, the spinning back elbow off the break, constantly pressing forward, great scrambles as well. Uh, you can definitely be described as an exciting and well-rounded fighter, in my opinion. Is that just your style, or were you focused on putting on a great show for the fans?
4: That's uh, that's just my style. That's my style. That's like I told you. That's me uh, playing it safe and trying yeah. not to gas. And you can imagine when I'm a 100% the pressure I'm going to put. Yeah, like I said, if I'm if I'm on top and I have someone hurt, I will commit to it and I will pursue that that finish. And I won't because I I don't I don't gas usually when I'm fit. I feel like I can go three rounds of absolute war. So um, definitely if you. You know, if I was 100%, uh, you would I'd expect myself to be even a bit more aggressive, and you know, and yeah. So like I said, I really was sort of holding back. Even when I watched the footage, I said, go, oh, it doesn't look like it." Like as I was fighting, I was I was telling myself, "I well, air yeah, settled down." But I watched the footage; it didn't really look like that, which I'm happy with. But
2: yeah.
4: I know I was. So it, you know, come the uh, next fight, you know, the featherweight division, I believe I better watch out because. I'm going to be uh, coming guns blazing.
1: I'll tell you what, man, it only speaks volumes to your abilities and and your potential in the sport. Uh, But one of the strangest moments for me in the fight was in the third round when he punched your leg. Uh, What was that about?
4: (laughs) Oh, I don't know. Uh, Maybe he wanted me to drop my hand and then come back with overhand. I know he likes to go a jab to the body and come back with overhand. So um, I think that was just, yeah, I don't know, I think he was just yeah. trying to mix it up. And
1: Misdirection, yeah. Being a
4: little creative there, you know, yeah, it was, yeah, yeah, just uh, something like that. Like I said, he usually likes the body, head, and then comes into the clinch and stuff like that, which I was aware of. So uh, when I've seen him come in a lot of times, I was either, you know, taking a backwards step and then circling away from his overhand, right, because I know he likes the throw which I don't think he ended up getting me. The only punches he sort of got me was with the, the hooks that he ended up lunging with. But again, I was always right at the end of the punches. So I was never, ever hurt in there or didn't really feel the, the punches at all. Just looking back at the footage, I know, oh yeah, he did land a couple, but definitely didn't feel them. Yeah. But uh, yeah, you, you live and you learn. So I'll make sure uh, I don't even get a, a land punch punched on me <laughs> next <laughs> time, mate.
1: <laughs> so tell us about the experience of uh, competing in front of the Auckland crowd. What were what were the fans like, you know, fan reception? And could you feel that energy during the fight?
4: Yeah, it was unreal, actually, because um, I ended up having a, a guy for a Kiwi in my corner. So um, I was doing whatever I could to try and get the Auckland uh, crowd on my side. Cause, I don't know, it's, it's weird. We're we all Anzacs. So we sort of should, like, support each other. But at the same time, there's a lot of rivalry there as well when it comes to sports and stuff like that. So I wasn't really sure if they were going to be booing me, which I think I might have heard a little boo here and there. Like, when, right at the end when I uh, was uh, saying, oh, yeah, to the Australian fans, hey you going? Like, just as a little joke. And I thought I heard a little bit of booze. I was like, oh, no!" Nah.
2: So <laughs> then I end up
4: saying, oh, to all the uh, Kiwis and New Zealanders there, kiora, which means, like, oh. I think it means like how uh, hey, you going or something like that. Sorry, but um, yeah, and then they end up cheering and then they come around. So I was happy with that because I thought, oh, this might not work well. The silent crowd would have really, uh, really embarrassed me. I think, but it worked out well.
1: So this was this was only your second fight in the UFC, and uh, some, including one of the, you know one of the uh, ringside announcers, Brian Stan, even during the fight, he had mentioned that he felt like you were kind of small for a featherweight. I'm wondering, are you comfortable at this weight, and, and do you think that you might be undersized for, let's say, the elite in the, the division? And what is the weight cut like for you?
4: The weight cut's not that bad at all for me for featherweight. It used to be bad. I've actually fought at middleweight. I've fought from middleweight, welterweight, lightweight, and down to feather. And uh, I've got uh, titles in from welterweight down. So um, I'm definitely comfortable in in them divisions. So featherweight's definitely my natural weight and where I'm most comfortable. I'm definitely very strong at that division. I am short, uh, but I'm sort of heavy set at the same time. So to get down to Bantam's going to, oh, man, I think it's just going to be a little bit too much. So I I have mentioned it in the past. It's looking more likely that I could do it, but I just don't know if I want to put my body through that. Nowadays, it just seems that, you know, them days are sort of uh, starting, yeah, you know, they're sort of over. You're starting to see the people go more than natural weight, like, yeah. you know, Robert Whitaker, and, you know, even Dan Hooker, he's his good performance. just things like that, and you're starting to see them really perform. So I think them days are sort of over. And like I said, I feel so strong. I feel, I feel strong at uh, lightweight. My first fight was at lightweight against the grappler. And, um, you know, I beat him at his own game. Grappler, I felt so much stronger than him, and I was in a heavier division. So you can imagine how strong I'll feel at featherweight, and even though I felt like I said I felt a lot stronger than the Mizuto. I don't know if it looked like that, but again, I'll, I just really did not want to over, you know, power everything and keep shooting. And you know, at the start you seem to get a few takedowns, like, and then I thought I thought to myself, oh, I'm gonna, you know, play it a bit more safe. But I think I can uh, out wrestle and out muscle anyone in the featherweight division. I don't think I need to go down.
1: Yeah, and and like you said there. It's one of those things that we're seeing more and more today. Guys aren't dropping that weight and and getting to that point of diminishing returns. Guys are finding a lot more success at a more natural weight, and that's certainly reflective And like you said, guys like Robert Whitaker. So uh, it's good to know featherweight is your home going forward. So that being said, looking into the future here, what's next for you? When would you like to compete again? And is there anyone in particular that uh, you would really like to fight next?
2: Oh,
4: the bad guys. As I said after my fight, I, I want these bad guys. Everyone's playing the bad guy. I uh, pride myself on being, you know, a, a nice guy, one of the good guys, loyal, and you know I'm not going to talk bad about someone for no reason. You know, don't get me wrong. If uh, one of the bad guys uh, start mouthing off, off to you, I'm sure I'll uh, I'll bite back.
2: <laughs> but uh, yeah,
4: I'm not really the type. To, <laughs> I'm not really the type to just go out and just yeah, start uh, you know knocking on someone. So uh, yeah, that's why I, that's why I try to put it on uh, the bad boys to uh, pull me out and say bring it on. It's about time the the good guys uh, made some money and uh, started uh, shooting through these ranks as well.
1: Well, that that transitions into my next question perfectly here. You know, I was gonna ask about what you had said post fight about being a nice guy, wanting to fight the bad guys in the division. Uh, so going along with that, give us your thoughts on this era of trash talk that we seem to be in, and uh, where do you stand on that as a professional athlete?
4: Well, it's just, look, trash talk is good. It is marketable and all that, but everyone's doing it. You know, uh, to me, you know, you always get, even like uh, before getting in the UFC and now, they're like, oh, you need to call someone out. You need to do this. You need to, and like, you know what I mean? Like, because they're seeing everyone do it. And I'm just like, man, like, yeah, I'm just going to be just another guy calling someone out or another guy trying to play the bad guy. Like, no one's really playing the good guy. You know what I mean? Like, that means I can just be real. I can just be me. I can say, you know, say, well, you know, I literally believe I'm a nice guy so I I could just be myself and but I will I'll just sort of play it at the same time so I can be the real life uh, superhero you could say maybe, you know. give something that the, the the nice guys give someone the, for the nice guys a cheer for. But um, you know, like I said, like you know, I'm not gonna say that I would not talk you know, I'm not gonna sit there and not argue with someone. If someone's sitting there and mouthing off to me, I'm sure I'm gonna give them the mouthful back. So I get pretty defensive in a way. But, uh, uh, yeah, I'm not going to just start uh, calling uh, people out and, you know, saying stuff about the family and all this sort of stuff just to just to get a, a reaction. I probably wouldn't start like that, but well, you never know. <laughs> I, I,
1: I agree with you there 100%. You know, I've followed the sport a long time, and uh, I kind of come from that train of thought of the Bushido way and uh, being respectful of your opponents. However, on the flip side of that, as you mentioned, I agree – trash talk is entertaining it is great for promotion and so forth so it's nice to know that uh you'll stick with the nice guy thing but should somebody get you in get it get into verbal warfare with you you won't hesitate to strike back uh so what do you think about the current landscape of the division you know we just saw max holloway win the title over uh, jose aldo who do you think max should fight next and who do you feel are some of his best matchups in the division at this point
4: yeah, well, yeah, that was a yeah, it was a good fight. Uh, I actually thought Aldo would get the win, but um, I knew it was going to be a tough fight. They're both unreal fighters. But yeah, I've definitely got my eye on them because again, that's my goal. I want to eventually get there, but obviously, you need to shoot through the ranks first, and that's why I want. As you were asking me before about the who would I like to fight, it would be a bad guy and someone that uh, ranked as well. So there you go. There's a, a little bit uh, more detail to who I'd like mm-hmm. to fight. But um, I yeah, man, it's. Yeah, it's definitely a stacked division. The, the lower divisions, like lightweight and all that, there's a, definitely got there's some numbers in there. So there's plenty of a talent in our division. And um, yeah, I just believe that I can definitely get right to the top. So you know, I've, I've got my eye on Max Holloway. Everyone else, I'm not trying too hard to worry about unless they're uh, matched up in front of me. So yeah, uh, give it, give it, give it a year or two, and uh, hopefully I, I'm there. Maybe a year even these uh, these fights rolling. I need. I want to stay active. I want to fight as many times as I can this year and uh, next year and uh, shoot through these ranks.
1: Well, you're making my job easy, man. Yeah, you, you answered several of my questions uh, coming up here, um, uh, rank, man.
4: Rank. That I do that a lot.
1: <laughs> so, r- ranked <laughs> opponent. You know, that was going to be one of one of my questions. Speaking of the top guys in the division, you know, how do you match up with these guys? And does it does this next fight absolutely need to be a top fifteen, top ten guy for you?
4: you know, I'd lo- love it to be a ranked opponent, obviously that's going to shoot me through the ranks quicker and you know, more eyes on me and, and what not so you know, that'd be a, a, a better move for me but I mean, again I can't just call the shots you know yeah. what I mean, so uh, I've got to see what they throw at me but I mean, from what I've heard, you know, a lot of people are happy with the performance and uh, a lot of people are talking about I should be getting a, a ranked opponent so hopefully uh, Sean Shelby's having a, a good listen about that and he makes it happen. We'll see what he says. And as you were before, man, I answer everyone's questions. They have ten questions. I'll answer five of them in the first question. stuff <laughs> that I do. I talk
1: it, a lot. I talk a lot. It makes my job easy. don't have to pull anything out of you. You know what you should say and, and what's what's best for an interview. So, hey, man, it's going great for me so far. But uh, just, just to stick with this Max Holloway thing here for a moment and the win over uh, Jose Aldo. What do you think is next for Aldo? You know, should he be considering retirement, in your opinion? Should he get back on the horse and try to get back to the title? Uh, how does it look from your perspective?
4: Uh, it's, it's a tough one. I still think he's uh, one of the best, you know what I mean? Like, he end up getting caught. But uh, I definitely still think he could be very competitive. But, I mean, at the same time, he was dominant for so many years. Does he just keep trying? And, you know what I mean? Like, maybe, maybe he could give it up. But I don't think he will. I think he will uh, fight again and, you know, but I mean, again, it was still a close fight. It was a very competitive fight till, till he started getting tagged there at the end, but I don't know, hopefully he still hangs about because, you know, I've always been a fan of uh, Aldo and I'm sure a lot of people are, so um, let's hope he sticks around, but yeah, and then try and go, go get that uh, title, but uh, hopefully I'll get there first.
2: <laughs>
1: yeah yeah with, without a doubt man and you know uh kind of going along with that aside from titles rankings putting all of that aside stylistically for whether it be favorable to your skill set or favorable favorable for uh for the fans to to enjoy a great fight what would be the dream matchup for you in this division
4: i'd like uh well andre Seeley was uh he's a part of- I don't know if he's been matched up yet. That would have been a a good one for me. His name's been thrown around a couple of times uh, with me, and I think I match up well with him. So I I would, uh, I would love that fight. And whether he plays a bad guy, I don't know, but (laughs) he doesn't mind a bit of the trash talk. He doesn't mind a bit of the trash talk and stuff like that. So maybe you know, I I guess you know, I'm pretty much calling someone out. I said I wouldn't do that, but now I'm not calling him out, but. At the same time, yeah, I would have liked to take that matchup. But I don't know, if, uh, this, cause I've got a fractured orbital at the moment on the floor. The floor of my orbital, it's just a little fracture. I don't know, I, I've got to see what the doctors say, if they can even let me fight. I don't know if that, that fight might be a bit too soon. But
2: yeah. otherwise,
4: I would have definitely tried jumping on that. But I, for now, I think um, the doctors, are, I don't know for uh, yeah. if I'm, I'm yeah. going to get clearance first. So we'll see what happens with that.
1: Yeah, I wouldn't consider that a call-out, I man, you know, looking to make a last-minute last replacement and, and uh, save the guy, you know, to have a fight on the card. As you mentioned there, it might be a little bit too quick of a, of a turnaround considering the injury, but uh, is that something something you're going to be looking looking at doing as a possibility going forward here? Anybody drops out, you'll be looking to, t- to take a replacement fight.
4: Yeah, 100%, 100%. I mean, uh, that's why I've been ready for the UFC. Even before I made the UFC, I was always staying ready and, just in case someone got injured and I can get the call up, you know, that I'll think that could be a good way of getting into the UFC, which is sorta what happened. And even still now, to this day, I wanna fight as as regularly as I can, you know, I've got a family to look after and fighting, you know, makes money and and I want to shoot for these ranks and for me to do so I need to win. And for me to do for me to win I need to fight. So I'm trying to fight as as many times as possible and me staying ready, like I said, I literally am ready. I can fight. You know, i am fit enough to fight Today, if I really, if I was healthy enough, but it's just, yeah, it's just. I guess you know, I've got to wait for these injuries, and I'll yeah. definitely always be ready. for my hands up. That's that's one thing to show.
1: So, changing gears here for a moment, for all the fans that that are just getting to know you, educate us on your background as a martial artist, and can you tell us a little bit about your time as a rugby player?
4: Yeah, well, I actually I've been through a few sports. I started off with soccer played soccer for a few years, and, and then i done wrestling. Uh, i done wrestling, I think, for one year. I was a national champion and that as well. And I don't know. I I sort of gave up on it. I wasn't used to wearing the tights, maybe. Maybe that, that
2: was what was,
4: <laughs> threw me off a little. But, um, yeah, I ended up uh, wanting to play football, like rugby league, with uh, my mates. So I sort of gave up on the wrestling. I can't remember. I should have looked back. I don't know if it was one or two so, years wrestling. That was oh. when I was, like, tall.
1: Hold on, not to cut you off here. You became the national champion yep, yep. with only wrestling for one year.
4: Well, it was one or two years. Yeah, I was. Wow. Yeah? But obviously, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna lie. Obviously, wrestling in Australia back in them days, you know, is it's definitely not as competitive as in America, and also it's not as big. But oh, I mean,
2: still.
4: I was definitely, definitely uh, still pretty good at, pretty good at it. And I, I remember just yeah, I don't know. I think it might have been close to two years, but. Yeah, I was a national champion a couple of times. Actually, I went to a couple of them, and yeah, and then I sort of just gave that up. I wish I didn't, but I'm sure uh, you get a lot of MMA fighters saying they wish they started earlier and right. stuff like that. But then I played, then I played rugby league for I think like ten years or ten, eleven years uh, with you know with my mates, and I played like first grade and made a lot of rep sides, and I got. Players playing Mick metal medal, so I actually was doing pretty good at it. And uh, mind you, I used to be 97 kilograms, so um, in pounds that's like 214 pounds. Oh wow! So you can imagine, yeah, yeah, you, that's a you can
2: imagine, <laughs> yeah, you
4: know, as me being so short as well. I think I'm like five five or five six and. You could imagine I was just like a ball, literally I was just round. <laughs> but like no, not not to, I was always bulky, so I still hold. I think that's why people are like, oh, he's a small featherweight, but considering the weight I used to be, man, I've I've dropped down like thirty kilos to fight at this division. So, well, and it's um, definitely. What was that, sorry?
1: Well, I was just gonna say, I, you know, as you were talking about earlier, uh, while people might think you're undersized, obviously being a two hundred and fourteen pound rugby player fighting now at one hundred and forty five pounds that strength is likely carrying over with you.
4: Yeah, definitely, definitely. Well, I used to be one of the players that, you know, you pass them the ball and then they just run straight. So that's what, they, you know, we call them the big boppers, the props. Yeah. So they just, you know, throw them the ball, run straight, and like pretty much just run into a brick wall. But uh, that was uh, my sort of position. And, and like I said, uh, not to talk myself up, uh, you know, I'm not a cocky type of person, but, I used to do pretty good, and a lot of people thought I was mad when I wanted to give it up, but that last year I played rugby league, I had a couple of uh, amateur fights, MMA fights, and won them pretty like easily, and I thought, you know what, I'm going to end this on a, a good year, we won the grand final, I got players player, yeah, you know, man of the match scored a try, and I was like, oh, I'm going to end, uh, end it on a good year, and I'm going to give MMA a go, and then six years later, I'm in there, you know, I'm... I had my second fight in the UFC, so I've only been doing a MMA for yeah five six years, so which is pretty crazy in itself as well.
1: Yeah. So that being said, I mean, wh- what kind of things can you take from rugby that you've gained in that sport that have translated into your career as a martial art or, um, as a martial artist, if anything at all?
4: Yeah, well, yeah, a few people have asked me. Probably, I guess, the hardness just always. You know, obviously, you've got, to be, you've got to be a pretty tough sort of person to, to get in a cage and, and, you know,
2: it's it's not an easy
4: sport. But I mean, neither is a rugby league. So when me playing the position I played and my style of uh, the way I played as well really helps me with, like, how I am in the cage as well. Like, I don't, I don't mind, you know, getting hurt. Like, you know, I don't mind <laughs> copping a punch if I have to. You know <laughs> what I mean? I don't mind beating up my body, beating up my body to get the job done. So I've always uh, done that, so I guess that that plays a big part in me. Yeah, like I said, I've had mountains of men running straight at me, and you know I had to take them down. So a featherweight probably won't scare me too much, even though they know how to fight <laughs> probably a lot better. But but I mean, you know, it just maybe helped me mentally and physically that way.
1: Yeah, I guess I guess that's the one you would suspect is toughness, and as you you know being rough, uh, as you said there. Uh, but listen, you've been more than generous with your time. I just have a couple more questions here for you. Um, I wanted to get your thoughts on some upcoming fights. Uh, it, I believe Tom had told me that you are teammates with uh, Robert Whitaker.
4: Yeah, yes, I've trained with him a couple of times. Yes.
1: Okay, maybe you guys just have the same. Uh, I know him. I
4: know him pretty well. Yeah, I wouldn't say uh, teammates, but uh, we definitely uh, trained, and uh, we see each other a fair bit. Yes.
1: Okay. So I wanted to get your take on that fight. You know, how do you see the fight with Robert Whitaker and and Yuval Romero playing out? And do you have a prediction for that fight?
4: I think Rob Wittick is going to get the win. I just because he's a he's young, he's fit, and his his takedown defense is incredible, and especially in the uh, scrambles. I know Romero's wrestling is unbelievable, but so's, uh so's uh Rob take uh, takedown defense, and I really think that'll wear on Romero, and I think he could even get a, a finish once uh, Romero's uh, tied. But I, I believe uh, Rob Wittick is going to get the win.
1: Now. Biggest fight announcement of all time, arguably, coming out last week. Floyd Mayweather, Conor McGregor. How do you feel about this fight, and are you going to give Conor a chance to potentially win or, for that matter, survive against uh, Floyd Mayweather?
4: I'll, I'll definitely give him a chance. I, like it's a, it's a crazy sport. It's, it's, I'm, I'm actually surprised Mayweather's going with it, just knowing how much bigger Conor McGregor is and uh, the weight they're fighting at, and obviously, you know, he's been retired, even though, look, Mayweather still looking incredible, you know, even his last performances and that. But, I mean, he's taking a big risk, especially knowing that Conor's Connor, timing for that one punch is incredible, his accuracy and everything about it. and You know, I mean, I'm not saying that he's going to out-punch or outpoint uh, Mayweather, but I believe he can land that punch, you know what I mean, especially knowing that he's,
2: uh,
4: McGregor isn't afraid he won't be afraid to walk forward and get punched in the face. He'll eat one to give one. Yeah. And I think that might really give him the chance of landing one. I'm not saying he will win, but I think there's definitely a chance. People writing him off and saying, no, there's no way. It's, it's just silly, especially knowing the the size difference. And, you know, young, athletic. And, look, well, I'm looking forward to it. But, uh, you know, I'm not expecting Conor to win. But I definitely... If, the, if he lands that punch and he goes down I'm going to be like oh wow well, you,
2: know,
4: like, you know there's a few people that I've told this to a few people I've told this to and I, you know, I'll probably sit there go hey what I tell you mate but uh, you know,
1: we'll
4: see we'll see what happens
1: yeah a lot of variables and for damn sure I expect uh, the entire world to be tuning in um, so listen getting back to your own career you said you wanted to stay more active uh, in 2017 get in as many fights as you can but how many is that for you realistically
3: I would, uh, if I could get
4: another two this year, would be would be awesome. This, like I said, this orbital uh, is probably slowed that down. Otherwise, I would have tried to get one. There's one in Japan, and for some reason, I, I, well, I've fought two J- uh, Japanese fighters in the UFC. So I don't know if they got something against me, but so maybe that could have worked. But I mean, that still probably could work. But I mean, they're supposedly having the uh, Australian card as well, the New, uh, Sydney card in November. I'm not sure if that's fully confirmed, but the rumors are that's what's happening. And if that's in November, it's getting pretty close. I would be more than happy to fight in both, but um, that's up to Sean Shelby and the the big boys. So we'll, we'll, see. we'll see what happens. But yeah, I want to fight regularly. Give me two more this year, and I'll fight four or five times a year, easy.
1: So just to recap, you'll be targeting... Whether it be a last-minute replacement fight, possibly the Japan card in September, or even Sydney in November against hopefully a bad guy, of the division could we see you break into the top ten or maybe top fifteen uh, before the end of the year or possibly early 2018?
4: You give me two fights and I'll be in there. One hundred percent, I reckon I could be in there because I'll. June, give me a rank one-ranked opponent and another fight as well, and I think I'll be in there. So, All thank right. June. Let's
5: hope, it, let's hope it happens.
1: <laughs> Absolutely, man. Now, in, in conclusion, what would you say to put the division on notice, and what can all your fans expect going forward?
4: I'm, I'm getting better and better every day, honestly. And if you were happy with my performance uh, on June 11th, you'd be more than happy with my next uh, performance. So stay tuned, and hopefully we get some suit in yeah, here. Feed me the bad boys. Bring it on.
1: <laughs> all right, man. Listen, greatly appreciate the time this morning. Hope you have a great hunt. Definitely looking forward to the next fight. Any shout-outs you'd like to get in before we let you go?
4: Yeah, I just want to give a shout-out to my major sponsor who's been uh, helping me uh, ever since uh, before the UFC career, and I really want to thank him. That's uh, Southern Cross Industries. So, uh, yeah, thanks, guys, and, uh, yeah, just a quick shout-out to them. And uh, my gyms as well, Uh, Freestyle Fighting Gym and Tiger Muay Thai. And thank yous for having me.
1: Hey, absolutely. It's been a pleasure, man. Looking forward to the next interview, and, uh, again, Looking forward to the next fight. Go have a great time uh, camping and hunting, my friend. Will do. All right, brother.
2: All right. Later.
1: There you have it, Penn Nation. Alexander Volkanovsky. Definitely got to keep your eye on in the featherweight division of the UFC. Really cool stuff that uh, he was able to transition uh, from rugby to MMA, and knowing that he was sick and still put on a performance like that. Very impressive stuff. So for sake of time, we're going to jump right into things with Ray Seppo of the newly formed and rebranded Professional Fighters League. A lot of cool details in this interview. As I said, probably going to take the combat sports world by storm. Coming up next, Ray Seppo. All right, Penn Nation, we are now joined by kickboxing legend and president of the newly formed, newly rebranded Professional Fighters League. Of course, I'm talking about Ray Sefo. Ray, what's going on, man?
3: Um, you know, busy, busy and busy. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, thanks as always for taking the time. Before we jump into things, though, I'm wondering how is was how is life at uh, Extreme Couture?
3: uh it's good. Yeah, I know we're busy there and uh a lot we got a few boys uh getting you know in camp right now. I have uh Brad Tavares and uh Trevor, uh Travis Brown. Um that would be one is fighting on the seventh and the other one's uh, and Travis is fighting on the eighth. So, uh busy with that and then you know, uh, we have a few amateurs that uh um also competing. Um and then we got Danny Davis, Miles Hunsinger, um one one other fighter that slips my mind right now, but Paul <laughs> oh, Puna, um, the Hawaiian boy, yeah. And uh, so we have three uh, that's fighting in traditional fighters league in July. So uh, yeah, no, the gym is uh, Extreme Couture, big and alive.
1: <laughs> as always, man. Now, I you mentioned Travis Brown there. I know you've been working with him extensively since he's moved over to Extreme Couture. Roy Nelson as well. Right. Uh, How are they looking in the gym, and and has Travis been a good addition and and fit for the team?
3: Oh, absolutely. Travis is a great guy. Uh, Travis is the type of guy that fits into any team that he goes to. You know what I mean? Because he's a personable guy. He's easy to talk to. Um, You know, and he's a straight shooter, so uh, him and I click like that. and, And, you know, everybody welcome to the team, and it's good to have him around. As a matter of fact, him and Roy, uh, did some great rounds yesterday as he's going to prepare for this fight. Uh, Roy Nelson was, uh, a, you know, going to help, um, along with Josh Barnett, who's also going to be with us um, fight day. So uh, we, we got some, you know, good guys that's helping with uh, Travis Camp at the moment.
1: Yeah, I saw uh, Roy had posted some stuff on social media about uh, Josh Barnett being there. Is he joining the right. team, or is he just in helping these guys with camp?
3: No, he's just here helping Travis, uh, you know, uh with Kent and um he's back in California but uh, I think you know, there's talk that he might come out again next week. Um but yeah, no, you know, uh I think Josh is a very experienced guy, has fought the best of the best of being around in in the sport of mixed martial arts and so, um it's great to have him, you know, along with Victorian who's a you know, a great ground you know, uh, great teacher of wrestling to get to uh, I think we have a, a, a complete, uh, amazing team, um, and of course, you know our own um, instructors that extreme tour, uh, Dennis Davis, uh, he and I and um, and Eric Nixig and um, a couple other guys. That, you know, we had a few amateurs that fought on the tough show in, in the weekend, um, who did really well. But you know, we have uh, a, a great team.
1: Yeah, without a doubt, and. You know, as things continue to develop, I mean, that's one of the longest-lasting teams to date, and and without a doubt, a staple of mixed martial arts. So, I know you've got an event coming up on June 30th in Daytona, which I'd like to which I'd like to cover a little bit later. But I wanted to start with the rebranding from World Series of Fighting to Professional Fight League. Uh, A few months ago, it was announced that World Series of Fighting would be changing over to the Professional Fighters League, um, and you guys unveiled a a pay and tournament structure that the sport has never seen before. Uh, I'd like to get into right. the, the tournament, the and, tournament, and the prize pool shortly. But before we do that, tell us about this reformatting and, and how the name change came about.
3: Well, you know, the, the team and I um, kind of sat down and, and talked about it, and um, the name was developed, and um, and everybody, you know, agreed it was a, was a good name, and it was uh, it was set uh, time. Um, change is always good, you know, as long as it's positive, it's always good. And so, um, you know, obviously the format, it's, uh, it makes it a, a, a professional, uh, fighters league, <laughs> um, where, you know, everybody has an opportunity to, um, step up and fight, you know, fight regularly. Well, one, let me back up a little bit. One of the things that, you know, as, um, running a promotion. One of the things that most that I hear the most is fighters are not active enough. And the league, special fighters league, they kind of provide that missing link, uh, in terms of fighters being active. And so, um, and when we look at it, you know, obviously for us, uh, 2018 can be 12 fighters per division. Um, that's going to change in 2019. it will be 16 fighters per division moving forward. Um, but the league is gonna provide a lot of different things that uh, fighters um, complain about. Yeah, not fighting enough, not fighting for a world title, and uh, not making enough money. Well, the Federal fighters league is gonna provide all that and and more. So uh, we're very happy with uh, you know the team. And i are very happy with the structure and the way we put it together. And I uh, truly listen. I'm a product of this. Um, of, of this format. Yeah. K1 ran, you know, K1 was exactly the same. Um, with the little the little changes, few changes, um, but it was a, a similar format and it worked. Uh, again, you know, there's, I've had some people, and there's going to there be a lot of doubters out there, but that's, that's all fine because they're still going to tune in and watch. And the bottom line is, if you're a doubter, just go back to K1 and that came right. up became the, uh, the biggest kickboxing promotion in the history of, Mitch, of, of kickboxing. And I remember talking to Maurice Smith, uh, you know, about 10 years ago, and he said that he was one of those guys that uh, he and a few others were the ones that said that that, that would never work when he was contracted. Um, I'm, I'm not sure exactly if it was Pancras or somewhere else, or someone else that he was was fighting for. And they said it wasn't going to work. Two or three years down the line, it was the biggest thing in the history of kickboxing. Absolutely. The
1: the Grand Prix was the mecca of kickboxing. I mean, I would stay up until 4 in the morning to watch it live stateside, you know?
3: Exactly. I I mean, you know, K1 was showing over 130 countries around the world. Uh, I go to Europe for the first time, and I'm getting mopped in Croatia, Bulgaria, Um, Hungary, I mean, you name it, Romania, it didn't matter where we went in Europe, we were, you know, Germany, Holland, everybody knew who we were, because that K1 was, you know, on television, on your sport, like twice a week, so the format works, and Special Fighters League, it's that and more, because um, the fighters are going to fight between January and August, the fighters are going to fight three times. They're going to accumulate points. Um, the, the top scoring points, or should I say the top eight uh, scoring points, will then qualify for the playoffs. where they go into a one-night tournament, they're going to fight the quarterfinals, semifinals, the winners of, you know, of that division, which is going to be seven divisions. Then we'll fight two months later, uh, and right now you know Madison square Garden is uh where we're looking to do the finals
2: okay
3: and you know and and uh the guys you know have the opportunity to win they only become a world champion but also win a million dollars on that night um, you know uh it's its it's a like I said full networks yeah fighters are gonna get their show money uh they're winning money on top of that there's gonna be a monthly starting between uh you know, January and August, I mean, um, it's a fighter's dream.
1: Yeah. You know, you touched on a lot of things that I wanted to wanted to get to there, but the premise is truly revolutionary and could really change the sport for the better. And as right. you mentioned, it's stuff that fighters have been asking for and complaining about right. for all these years. Um, so starting in 2018, you'll have the $10 million prize pool for all the weight classes, and you'll be bringing back the right. tournament format, as you mentioned there. Uh, let's start with the prize pool. How is that going to be distributed, and and what will the criteria be? You say there's going to be points, quarterfinals, semifinals, but uh, in regards to that ten million dollar prize pool, how does that get distributed at at you know the end of the tournament or whatever?
3: Well, at the end of the tournament, the guys, you know, the, the winning guy gets uh, the winner becomes the, the world champion for that year and will also get a million dollar check. The second prize will get uh, two hundred fifty grand. Um and, and you know, and then it comes down whoever comes uh third, um, I think it's seventy five. Okay. And then, you know, uh fourth it's twenty five throughout the uh the tournament. Um throughout the regular season they get the show money and the winning money. Um and also the monthly stuffing that they get uh throughout um January and uh and August for throughout the eight months. So You know, it's a ten million dollar season. A million dollars goes to the champion, and the other um, three million dollars is is distributed through, you know, the regular season.
1: Okay. Now, you mentioned the uh, the contracts involving a guaranteed monthly stipend uh, for all these athletes. That's one of the things that I think really could change the game for you guys and all these athletes. It's one of those things that fighters have constantly talked about not having guaranteed right. pay, and an income to live on. Um, obviously, that's the deciding factor there for you guys to implement that. But uh, right. h- how big is that compensation going to be? I mean, is this enough for fighters to live on, you know, until they get to fight? Uh, Monthly, yeah. I, 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 you know,
3: I, I think it's uh, it's enough, uh, you know, some, some fighters just, it's the littlest things that maybe a car payment, maybe the, the rent payment, maybe the mortgage, you know, the little things that's going to that help. Yeah. Uh, maybe it's for the camp, you know what I mean? Uh, so to get, uh, you know, uh, a spike every month, uh, it's something, that, you know, it's less wise for them to think about, uh, you know, how they're getting their massage or, or how they're paying for their food, uh, yeah. you know, what's the shopping to cost this month, you know what I mean? So, uh, all that kind of things—it's uh, going to be eliminated from the, the worry basket that they would have in terms of going into a normal camp.
1: Yeah, and you, you know, like having to deal with sponsorships and making sure you have that monthly monthly income. It, As I said, exactly. truly revolutionary. Uh, and you mentioned there the champions will be guaranteed million dollar salary per year. That is correct. That's that's tremendous. I mean, just that right there. I mean, you well, I
3: mean, champions... the champion actually, depending on who it is, you know, the champion uh, can easily walk away with, uh, by the time the season has e- ended, it's, it's worth, you know, it can easily walk away with $1.3 million for the year.
1: Wow. Again, truly revolutionary. So, uh, is this format going to be one tournament per year? Is it going to be two tournaments per year? How is that going to work out?
3: One tournament per year. Okay. So a chain one.
1: Okay. So, in regards to the title holders, what does that mean for them? How many times per year are they obligated to defend the belt?
3: Well, you know, the, it's going to be a season. So, you know, uh, whoever whoever the seven champions for 2018, they will go down in history as the champion for 2018. And then the season starts again the following year. And, oh, you know, obviously okay. the, champion, the champion then, uh, you know, in terms of, Uh, how do you put this, in terms of where they sit in the order of uh, 1 to 16, the champion obviously will will get that number one spot. And so, you know, he goes into uh, the season um, and, and, you know, and and the season starts again from January.
1: Wow. Okay, so I see what you're saying. This literally is K-1 Grand Prix every year, but professional flight league Grand Prix every year. Okay. Um, That is correct. So, you know, just those aspects alone, man, this is like what every MMA fighter is needed and and asked for all along, as I mentioned, get the guaranteed income, the opportunity to fight fair and a tournament to earn that title shot. Um, What has the response been from the athletes so far, and has the phone been ringing ringing off the hook for people to join this league?
3: Absolutely. Uh, People are contacting me through social media with us, Twitter, Facebook, uh, LinkedIn uh, You name it uh, You know um, I Email uh, So the, the, the response Since we made the ad uh, Since we released The announcement It's just been Unbelievable um, But It's no surprise to me Because Again like I said I'm a product of this format And I know 100% it works And Not only I'm a product of it I've seen it work And Every fighter I mean listen This is where it benefits The fighters not only do they get, they get guaranteed money, they their destiny is in their own hands. They continue to win. They continue to move forward. They get the opportunity to fight for a world title. And it's all within their game. It's all within their discipline. It's all within how they motivate themselves. You know, guys are going to be, instead of, you know, fighting today and then, you know, six months later, he's got another fight set or eight months later. Now, you're in the season, these fighters have to be disciplined right throughout the year. they got to be, you know, they got to eat well. They can't blow up, you know, to 20, 30 pounds heavier than their fighting weight. These guys have to be disciplined and be on target every single time. And so, again, their destiny is in their hands, their opportunity is in their hands, and everybody has an equal opportunity not only to become a millionaire, but also become a world champion.
1: It's a truly, truly beautiful thing. And, uh, the democracy if you will of a tournament format no more playing favorites you know in matchmaking you see that all the time guys getting snubbed for the title shot it's the fairest way to do things and i have no doubt that this is going to be very successful and a place that fighters want to go and compete um so that being said very cool stuff i can't wait to see it in action in 2018 uh but let's talk about the upcoming event in daytona it's the first under the new banner how excited are you for this card
3: yeah absolutely excited uh you know, the partner up with uh, Tantona Raceway uh, with NASCAR. Um, you know, I, I believe that this has been done before. I think Strikeforce did it here in, in Vegas, but the show was the outside of the arena. I think this is the first time that the show is actually inside the arena uh, of the raceway. So, um, you know, uh, again, it's, it's exciting. Uh, it's great to be part of something big like this. And I think there's a great crossover between the NASCAR fans and the MMA fans. Um, and, you know, the, 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 it's kind of worked both ways, where the MMA fans have become, probably become fans of NASCAR, vice versa. So yeah. I think the, uh, the promotion, the crossover, works, works perfectly.
1: Interesting. So this event is actually going to take place inside the Daytona Speedway? That is correct. Wow, that is awesome. So t- tell us a little bit about the partnership. Can we expect to see more dual events like this uh, moving forward with you guys? Uh, yes, you
3: know, uh, there, there's been uh, some discussions, and, and obviously we're going to uh, get this show uh, on the way. But, um, you know, there had been um, talks about maybe uh, doing six shows a year with them. So we'll see. You know, um, we got to focus on this one first and make sure it uh, comes out uh, it's a hit,
1: and uh, we'll move forward from there. Okay. So, this card, we've got John Fitch versus Brian Foster for the 2018 number one seed going into the uh, tournament for next year. Uh, Rama That's versus right. Marks at light heavyweight. Zeferino versus Torado. Jason High versus Carlos Fodor. Um, what fight do you think is going to potentially steal the show?
3: Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, Rama and Ronnie Marks. Um, that being said, you know, John Fitch was absolutely impressive in his last outing when he defended his side against Jake Shields. Um, and I think, uh, you know, I think this guy, I think John, become a champion and uh, has completely kind of revived or uh, regenerated his engines. And I think, uh, you know, he's going to come out smashing. Uh, that being said, Brian Foster himself, um is, is no joke, you know what I mean? And so I think it's going to be an exciting match. Uh, I think Brian Foster probably favors the, the stand-up side, although Brian Foster is a good wrestler himself. And then obviously we, you know, everybody knows John style style. He's a blinder, and he's a come, he's a guy that comes to fight. And uh, especially working with one kid, Nick as well, and you know, between the crossover between him uh, here in Vegas and, the AKA, and AKA in San Jose, I think there's a the great combination. Of those two, and I think he showed that in his last match. So uh, I think that's going to be an uh, incredible and, and uh, exciting fight. Uh, but all the fights, all the matchups here are very exciting, and I'm looking forward to it.
1: Yeah, you know, interestingly enough, uh, as as a hardcore fight fan who's followed the year, fo- followed the fight game for many years, uh, seeing a name like Carlos Fodor, um, you know, that, that's kind of, that's kind of a throwback. But with for- Fitch and Foster. Uh-huh. How does the seeding work in regards to fighting for the remainder of the year? I mean, whichever guy wins, they get the number one seed. I'd imagine they won't be competing until the 2018 season. That is correct, yes. Okay. And, and will all the other athletes on the card be fighting for a similar placement in their respective division? Yes, absolutely. Okay, okay. So, two-hour fight card is going to be live on NBC Sports Network. I'm wondering are tickets still available and and how is that partnership with NBC Sports Net- Network uh going for you guys? I'd imagine with this news they're very excited to to uh be broadcasting professional fighters Yeah, the absolutely because they, they well. are
3: yeah. yeah, that's correct. Uh they are very interested, I mean very excited as, uh, obviously as much as we are. And uh we have a great partnership and, you know, um I, I think this card is going to be uh, a great card for everybody to enjoy. Uh but the tickets to the show is pretty much uh, a ticket from you know, when you get into when you're going to watch the sh- the, the race. That ticket itself is gonna uh, allow you to watch fights.
1: Oh wow! Okay, cool. So it's yeah. one-time entry, one payment. You get to enter both both events. That's awesome. Yes, sir. Okay. So listen, you've been more than generous generous with your time. I've just got a couple more questions here for you. How many so- more events will you guys have? And in, in- 2017 before you kick off the new format in, in 2018. I know you've got a show planned in Washington for July. Is that correct? That is
3: correct. July
1: 29. Okay. So how how many more events after that for the remainder of the year? Uh,
3: we we have uh, another one I done in October, October 21st, and then one uh, I believe is November the first week of November.
2: Okay.
3: I want to say the fourth or the sixth, something like that. Um. And that event in November is again it's only it's a small show. Uh there's I think four fights or so three or four fights on that. Uh it's also part of a charity event that we're doing. Um so yeah, it's uh there's only one two more full cards and uh two more uh half cards if you will.
1: Okay. So it's kind of uh keeping things busy. Really getting ready and, and and warming up for this big kickoff in 2018. Um, looking ahead into 2018, you said between January and August, will there be no events following August?
3: Uh, there will. The, so August, uh, the fighters will have a month off, and then they go into um, they go into the or a month and a half, I should say. Uh, then they go into the uh, playoffs, uh, which is the one night tournament in October. Okay. Mid-October, I believe. Yep.
1: Okay, so does this all culminate to something big at the end of the year? or? Um... That is correct. Okay, yes. all right, very good. Well, listen, man, as I've said, this is a truly exciting partaking, under, undertaking rather. I cannot wait to see this all in action. I truly hope that it revolutionizes the sport and makes the landscape for all MMA athletes uh, better in the end looking forward to the card on the 30th, and we'll, we'll certainly have to have you back on to preview the show in July and, and going forward as well. Um, but in conclusion, what can all the MMA fans expect from the Professional Fighters League in 2018, and why should everybody tune in on June 30th?
3: Well, you know, June 30th, it's, uh, obviously it's a big deal for us uh, because we're partnering up with uh, the biggest and the baddest uh, NASCAR in the world, race in the world. And so... Um, like I said, I think the crossover between fans, it's, it's a, an exciting one, and it's, uh, it's going to be you know, good for everybody. Um, and, of course, the, the 2018 uh, season for Professional Fighters League is completely, you know, uh, I'm just hyped and, and so excited about it because uh, this was uh, my dream to start Wizards of Fighting and now finally, you know, uh, the partners and I can finally, you know, put it together and, and uh move forward with them and I think uh it's ex- it's exciting. Uh it's gonna bring a lot of fans, everybody's gonna tune in, I believe. Uh it's gonna it's exciting for the fighters. Uh it benefits the fighters uh in every way possible. So yeah, I, I mean it's, it's just the whole concept of it all screams excitement.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely and to go along with that, guys that aren't worried about where they're going to make their next paycheck, are they going to have a job after the fight, that's only going to lend itself to really exciting fights where these guys are pushing the pace and the action. Cannot wait for it, my friend. Looking forward to the event on the 30th, and as I mentioned, we'll have to get you back on before the upcoming cards as well. Uh, anything you think we missed or any shout-outs you'd like to get in before we let you go?
3: No, that's it. I just want to say thank you to all the fans that uh, believe in us and, and you know from day one. And continue to support us. Uh, thank you so much for the love and support. And of course, professional uh, fighters league won't let you down because we're looking to bring some excitement to the sport and uh, and continue to move forward. And obviously, like I said, uh, this actually benefits the fighters in every way you look at it. Uh, so tune in and support your, you know, your fighters and guys that you look up to.
1: Absolutely. All right, Ray, absolute pleasure, as always, my friend. Um, looking forward to the event and, and what 2018 has in store. Uh, can't wait to see it all unfold. And, and, again, we'll have to have you on again soon, my friend.
3: Thank you, sir. I appreciate it.
1: All right, buddy. You have a good day. Take care. Bye-bye. All right, Penn Nation. That was kickboxing legend, president of the Professional Fighters League, Ray Sefo can't say enough about what they're doing over there. You heard it. Monthly stipend for fighters. Fighter pay has been an issue as long as I've followed and covered the sport. Now you can imagine the kind of relief a guy would get knowing that he's going to get a monthly paycheck. And then knowing he's going to have the opportunity, fair shot, just like everybody else in his division, to fight for the title. Best man wins. No playing favorites. Huge cash prizes at the end of the tournament. It's going to be an awesome system. And I've talked about it many times on the show, the exodus to Bellator. I think in 2018, you're going to see a lot of people going to the Professional Fighters League um, that are either released by the UFC or become unhappy with their contract. So, great stuff. We're going to jump right into things with Colby Covington because we're going to have BJ on at 9.30. Don't want to run late on the captain. He might kick my ass. So, Kobe Covington up next. Coming off the big win over Dong Hyun Kim, UFC Singapore. Great conversation with him as always. I know you guys will enjoy it. Up next, BJPenn.com Radio. Kobe, Chaos, Covington. All right, Penn Nation. We're now joined by one of the biggest winners from UFC Singapore. Of course, I'm talking about the man they call Chaos, Kobe Covington. Kobe, what's going on, man?
6: What's up, brother? How's it going, man? Thanks for having me on.
1: Always a pleasure, as I mentioned before, and we greatly appreciate the time as always. You put on one hell of a performance in Singapore over the weekend. How happy were you with the outcome?
6: I'm happy, you know. Whenever you get your hand raised, that's what it's all about, you know. I mean, was it the best of me? Did you see the best of me that night? No, I wasn't as explosive and as dynamic flashy as I can be, but, you know, it was a dominant win. I outclassed him 30-25. Who does that, you know, so... You know, and he's the number seven guy in the world, so what does that tell you? You know, so so I'm happy, you know, I, I won, that's good, but it, but it wasn't the best of me.
1: Well, I'll tell you what, man, you said dominant there, and, and you mentioned the scorecard. You certainly completely dominated him, and and the scoring was reflective of that. I mean, to score 30-25, as you said, that that's unheard of in the sport. Uh, I know that you said that, that you intended to be that dominant over him, but were you surprised with that scorecard at all?
6: No, I wasn't really surprised with that. You know, I heard him a couple times in the fight, two or three times. Got a a couple good left and right hooks. So, you know, I wasn't too surprised. I racked up the takedowns. I beat him at his own game. That's his game. Before the fight, everybody's telling me, oh, you got no chance. judo's too good at submission. He'll catch you this and that. He's going to beat you this and that. I beat him in his own game. So, you know, I wasn't too surprised about that scorecard.
1: Well, he had no answer for your wrestling whatsoever. And last time we spoke... You had mentioned the judo guys were the ones that couldn't make the wrestling team, and that certainly showed in this in this performance of yours. The only offense he really had the entire fight was that one trip. Um, when did you feel him break during the fight?
6: Uh, I noticed kind of in the second round after I had hurt him uh, on the feet, and then he backed up straight to the cage. I could kind of just see it leave his body that his fighter spirit just kind of left, and he was he was uh, you know he he was too he wasn't ready for war in, in the long haul. You know I drowned in him. And, that's what happens to guys when they're in there with me. That it's like they're underwater. So, definitely in the in the big middle part of the second round, I felt he was done. He was out of it.
1: Okay. Uh, the overhand left to the right hook. That combo landed repeatedly. I'm wondering, is that a combo you worked on specifically for Kim, or is that just your bread and butter?
6: Uh yeah, it was something that kind of works well on a southpaw. Boom, boom, right over the sh- top shoulder of the southpaw side, and and the right hook comes right in behind it. So. You know, it was something we were, I was working with my coach, Paulino Hernandez, one of the best strike coaches in the game, where you tore him off with all the striking coach. So, you know, just, Paulino puts a game, good game plan together, and that's what we go by.
1: Now, your conditioning was in peak uh, form, as always. There was no way that he could keep up that pace with you. Uh, I'm sure you would agree that there aren't many guys in the division that could handle that kind of pace.
6: I would agree that there's no one in the division that can handle that type of pace. It's just too much, you know, I've I've known it my whole life that I, you know, I feel like I have an extra lung in my body and when you fight me, you know, it's it's a test of wills and there's no one that's going to match that pace and that will.
1: Now you had your good friend and training partner Jorge Masvidal in your corner. Uh what was he telling you in between rounds and, and what did he have to say about your performance?
6: Oh, you know, he was just telling me, he was just, you know, we were joking between rounds, you know, he's like, "Man, you're racking up the takedowns. You're going to make all the wrestlers proud, man. You" You're in the record books already and you're putting more takedowns. you're smooth on the feet you know he can't handle your pressure every time he comes forward he eats big shots so you know we were just keeping it calm you know and he's telling me good stuff. he's a great corner as as well as one of the best fighters in the world. so you know I'm thankful to have a guy like George in my corner you know as not only a fighter but as you know a best friend and a partner you know in life
1: absolutely uh, last time we had you on, you would mention that this was going to be your coming out party and that this victory would put you into the mix at welterweight where you belong. Um, while the UFC site hasn't updated the rankings, are you expecting to take Kim's spot at number seven?
6: I mean, if they don't give me number seven, I would expect to at least get in the top ten, you know. I mean, they should put me at seven. Rankings, I've been saying the whole time, were a joke, and they don't mean anything. It's a media panel. Uh, that's who makes the fucking rankings. So, you know, I don't really care about the rankings. I feel like my ranking's number one, and that's all I care about is that ranking. So, you know, it, it should get me in the top ten, you know, and, You know, It should get me up there in the seven range, so we'll see what happens or what they do.
1: Well, like you said, a lot of politics there, and it's unfortunate, but uh, you would assume that if not taking his spot, uh, you should, like you mentioned, at least get the top ten there. Um, After the fight, you used your time on the mic very wisely, called out the entire division and put everybody on notice. Uh, I think we can all be assured that all the welterweights in the UFC should not only know who you are, but know that you're a force to be reckoned with. With at this point, uh, would you agree with that?
6: Absolutely. I, I wanted to send a strong memo to everybody in the division that this is my division now, and and if you think you're going to be the best, you better you better come up to fight night and think you're going to have to get through me. So, you know, I want to let all those guys know that you know I, I'm confident I can beat each and every one of them, and, and I ain't worried about any of them.
1: Now you've recently declared this to be the embarrassment tour, and uh, you said post fight that. Uh, you would break Tyron Woodley in half. Having trained with him before and knowing him inside the gym, was there something specific in regards to skill sets that makes you so confident against Woodley?
6: Absolutely, man. You know, he's, he's a bigger dude, you know, and he's not, he has a lot of muscles on his body. So, you know, he doesn't have cardio, man. I'll break that dude. Like, that's what I said. I'll break him mentally. He won't be able to keep up with my pace, you know, and that's, I felt that in the gym and I'm supremely confident that if I fight Tyrone Woodley, that I'm getting my hand raised and, and new.
1: And new, all right. So it looks like he's going to fight Maya. I know there was some talk of that fight potentially falling through, but as days go on, it looks more and more like that fight is actually going to take place. How do you think he's going to do against Damian Maya?
6: Um, I think he should be able to get the takedown. He has good enough takedown defense to – to fend off Maya And Maya's one dimensional He doesn't know how to strike Or stay on the feet So You know I think he should be able To get it done But if he gets it to the mat You know His jiu is not that good You know I've tapped him out And tripped him So You know I don't feel very confident That he'll be able To fend off Maya, Maya's takedown attempts If it does hit the mat But You know it, He should be able to Hit him and score and move And use his athleticism To keep away But You know I think it's a It's an interesting matchup We'll see Styles make fights So we'll see how that style plays out
1: Without question. Now, now, given the opportunity, we're clearly a couple fights away from a potential title shot for you. But given the opportunity, which guy would you prefer to fight between Maya or Woodley?
6: Um, I think both are easy money for me, to be honest. Woodley can't go his pace; he'll break. And Maya, I'll send off his takedowns and put that dude to sleep cold on the feet. So. You know, either one, dude, that's just that's how confident I am right now. I feel like I'm the most well-rounded fighter, and, and guys just can't do what I can do. So there's not a bad matchup in the top five against, that's against me.
1: Now, you also made it a point to to call out Rafael de Sanos again and uh, even Neil Magny. Uh, which of these two guys would you prefer, and do you expect either of them to take the fight with you anytime soon?
6: Uh, no, I, I think, you know, I'm scaring the ink out of pens. These guys, they don't want to sign the contract, so... You know, I prefer to fight, you know, Magny because he's number five. He's higher up there. gets to be closer to a title shot. But, you know, Rafael dos Santos is so juicy dude, just because the name. And the guy's a bum, man. He's old and he's past his time. So I feel like that's a good uh, performance for me to get a performance of the night type bonus against that guy. But, you know, he don't want to fight. He's scared, dude. I was telling him backstage. I was like, what's up? Right before the press conference. You're a bitch. You're scared, man. You don't want to fight me. He's like, oh, oh,
2: oh,
6: Yeah, you you want that title shot? And that's all he can say to me. You know, he's scared, man. He knows what's up. He's told the UFC he doesn't want that fight. and He doesn't want anything to do with me. So, you know, Rafael De you're a bitch.
1: (laughs) Now, aside from those guys and obviously the champ, you know, there aren't really many fights for you that are ranked above Kim at this point. Uh, What other matchups would be ideal for you?
6: I mean, the Lawler Cerrone winner, I think that would be an ideal matchup. Um, you know, if Condit's still around, I don't know if he's too old and been through too many wars to come back. But if he wants to come back, then, you know, I'd, I'd welcome that fight. I would love that fight. But uh, just, you know, I don't know who else is up there. Uh, you know, that's really that it. You know, Maya's getting a shot. I mean, Steven Thompson's going to fight my boy George. So, you know, Magni RDA, somewhere in that range, you know. Lawler, it'd be okay. a great fight. I'd love to fight Lawler.
1: Yeah, that would make a lot of sense, uh, the winner of uh, Lawler and, and, and Cerrone. Um, what's yeah. the, what's the turnaround time here for you? Uh, did you have any injuries coming out of this? When should we expect to see you back in there?
6: No, man, I feel great. That was like a little warm up fight for my next fight. I, I was just I'm coming into my groove, into my best, you know, perf- best uh, well rounded self. So, you know, I'd like to turn around probably in like uh, what is it July, o- August, or September, or something, or September or October, somewhere in that range. You know, like two months from now, I'm completely healthy. I didn't take no damage in the fight, so. I'm looking for a pretty quick turnaround, two months, three months max.
1: Okay. Now, you mentioned September there. Uh, I'd imagine you've talked about – you've mentioned that you have the uh, popularity-gaining fans within Asia. It appears UFC is going to be going to Japan uh, in in September. Is that a card you'd be interested in?
6: Absolutely. I I would be honored to go back to Tokyo. I I love uh, Asia. I'm taking Asia over. Look at Asia. Look at what I do My you know, the first time I went to Asia for my UFC debut in Macau, I finished. I t- I made a guy tap out to strikes. I knocked him out, and then he woke back up when I'm hitting him so hard, and he tapped out to strikes. I mean, and then right here a 30-25 against the number seven guy in the world and Asia's biggest star, I think I, I'm taking I run Asia now, so I would love to go back to Japan and fight in Japan.
1: Cool. So aside from Japan, uh, is there any particular venue or, or card specifically in September in October that, that uh, really piques your interest at this point?
6: I mean, Japan Japan's definitely piques my interest, but, you know, if it, if it can't be Japan, I mean, if there's a Vegas, I don't know if there's a Vegas card in October. Do you know the schedule for October? Oh, uh,
1: man, I haven't even looked ahead that so that far. It's so many fights. Yeah. It seems like every week from now until August there's a fight. So. Uh,
6: yeah, I mean, I, I noticed there's a Canada event in uh, September, but, I mean, they take so much money in tax, man. Screw them. I went and fought there last year in Canada, and they, they destroyed me on the
1: taxes. <laughs> Uh, the, the, the tax man sucks that's for sure bro <laughs> speaking, sure, speaking of money between the easy money tour and the embarrassment tour you and jorge have taking over the division here i mean are you guys are, are you guys planning to just take turns as champions
6: pretty much you know we always knew that one of us was going to be champion and the other guy was just going to clear out the division in the meantime until he gets his opportunity so this is our division now everybody knows that they know that we're the two toughest fights in the division, and we're the guys that are the two most tough fighters in the division. So, you know, everybody knows this is the, this is a real takeover, and this is me and Jorge Masvidal's division right now.
1: What's the likelihood of you both being on the same card together? I mean, that would be a dream come true for you guys, right?
6: That would be an absolute dream come true. We were talking about that the other day. We were hoping that maybe Japan, we could get on the same card against each other, with each other, him fighting Steven Thompson and me versus like Magny, I think that would be an ideal situation, and it would be a dream come true.
1: Yeah, that would be awesome, man. And uh, those are Fuck, two, yeah. two great matchups for the Japanese fans as well. Um, yep. So it appears that the fight with Wonder Boy is going to happen for Jorge. Um, what do you think about that matchup? And are you you know are you guys expecting that fight to get have the contract signed sometime soon?
6: Oh man, I think it's a great matchup for. For George, you know, look at Steven Thompson, his last three or four fights, man, he doesn't take risks, he doesn't, he's, he's scared to lose that he doesn't take risks, I mean, look at his fight with McDonald, you know, it was boring, look at his fights with Woodley, they're boring, you know, he honestly is, is scared and he can take chances, that's just what it is, you know, he, uh, I think he doesn't trust his chin anymore to come in the pocket or something, you know, because he's been dropped a couple times, so, I think George, I think my buddy uh, Jorge is going to knock him out.
1: So looking forward now obviously your next opponent has to be a big name or at the very least a ranked guy that being said realistically how many more times would you like to compete before the end of the year
6: i want to fight two more times before the end of the year i was thinking september and then again in december before years end so i'm a real fighter man i'm trying to fight and stay busy you know but the only problem with that is you know you got to have guys sign contracts so we'll see how it works out
1: that being said, uh, how long before we see you in the number one spot or potentially challenging for the title?
6: I was telling everybody by the early the early beginning part of 2018, I will be the champion. Mark my words right now. I ain't messing around. I will be the champion by 2018.
1: All right, man, I have no doubt. Listen, you've been more than generous with your time. Just a couple more questions here for you. Um, what's the deadline for Rafael Dos Anjos to accept your challenge before you move on and start looking at somebody else?
6: Um, I'm going to give him like a month, you know. I mean, he, he should just want to get right back in there, you know. What are you wasting time for? You're already old and at the end of your career anyways, So take these last couple fights and enjoy it before you get retired by me.
1: <laughs> now, as the embarrassment tour continues here, aside from RDA and, and, and Woodley, we'll consider those one and two. What's your top five targets on the hit list? Give me your other three top fights that you want.
6: My other, My other three top fights would be Robbie Lawler, Neil Magny, and Carlos
1: Condit. Okay. All right, man. Well, I certainly hope at least one of those guys will sign the contract to fight you sometime soon. Uh, in conclusion, man, now that you've made some noise and people are they're taking notice of you now, what's your message for the entire welterweight division as you move forward on this embarrassment tour?
6: This is my division now, and anybody that signs that contract, just know you're going to get embarrassed.
1: All right, man. Listen, Kobe, always appreciate talking to you, man. Looking forward to the next fight. Tremendous performance out there in Singapore, and I know the future is going to be very bright for you, my friend. You, any shout-outs you'd like to get in before we let you go?
6: Yeah, I want to shout-out uh, everybody in the American Top Team, my manager, Dan Lambert, you know, my coach, Mike Brown, my head coach, Paulino Hernandez, Jeremy Fedorik, my strength and conditioning coach. You know, I'm only getting better, man. You You haven't even seen really my true potential yet, so I can tell you the future is very bright for me and my team. And, you know, if you want to follow me on social media, at Colby Cub, MMA. And thanks, BJ Penn Radio, for having me. I appreciate, it, appreciate you guys a lot.
1: Hey, always a pleasure, man. Uh, as you mentioned, the future is bright for sure, my friend, and I, I can't wait to see what, what it has in store for you. Uh, we'll have you on, hopefully, when the next fight gets announced, and go enjoy the fruits of your labor, man.
6: Yes, sir. Thanks, guys.
1: All right, brother. Have a good day. All right, later, bro. There you have it, Penn Nation. Chaos himself, Colby Covington. He's out for blood. No other way to put it. And that dynamic duo of himself and Jorge Masvidal. Those guys, man, they know how to promote. And they know how to get themselves a fight. And you've heard me talk about it extensively on the show. We're in the era of trash talk. I kind of miss the Bushido days. But at the same time, the era of tr- the era of trash talk is pretty damn funny and entertaining. So you, you, you heard him made me, you know, he, he made me chuckle there a few times. Uh, can't say enough about the kid. And as we said there at the end, very bright future in the sport as well. So, guys, it's time to get the man himself on the show. As I said, our namesake, the prodigy, BJ Penn. He's going to be live with us here in just a moment. Feels kind of weird going back to a live call, to be honest with you. But stay tuned. Going to have a little bit of a break here with some music. Enjoy some J Dilla. And we'll be back on the line with the prodigy, BJ Penn. Penn BJPenn.com radio. I'm your boy Kinch. We'll be right back. Penn Nation, we are now joined by our namesake, the captain himself, the prodigy, BJ Penn. What's going on, man?
5: Well, what's going on, kids? Good to talk to you, man. Lump been in a little bit.
1: Yeah, hey, listen, greatly appreciate the time, as I mentioned before. I know fight week is crazy, but welcome back to the show. Uh, we're just a few days away from UFC Fight Night 112 in Oklahoma City. How excited are you to get back in there and show the world what we all know you're capable of?
5: You know what I'm very excited uh I'm just uh you know I'm kind of just I just lately I just been kind of keeping my head down staying humble you know just going out and going to make sure to go get that uh, exciting victory you know but I'm, uh, I'm 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 happy I had a great camp uh um I'm back with the Marinovich uh the Marinovich team and uh I was uh training with my old uh my old coach Rudy Valentino so uh you know I, really positive, really, really positive stuff and uh I'm just excited like i said i just uh I just been I haven't been uh, doing much, of course, i'll get up and do anything for uh, BGPen.com radio but uh yeah i just been uh, I've just been being quiet and uh I just been uh, trying to take care of business
1: Well, I'm glad to hear it, man, and you know you mentioned uh Marv Marinovich there. Um, you team back up with him for this camp. Last time you worked with him, man, we saw the best BJ Penn I think we've ever seen. Uh, is it safe to say you're feeling really confident going into Sunday night?
5: You know what I am. I, I am. I feel real confident. I feel real good. You know, uh, one of the hardest things to do is uh, sit down and, and watch your last fight. And uh, so I, I just I decided so I got I got to see what happened out there. I got to go. I got to go rewatch how I got picked apart and. Uh, first thing, right off the bat, as soon as I started watching it, I was like, man, you're slow. B.G. you're slow. I I couldn't believe how slow I was. And I almost fell into a depression sitting there and I was just like, man, you're so slow and, and this and that. And, and right right there, I, I thought, I thought, man, who? Wh- what can you do? I mean, I know you get old, you get slow. I know things happen and this and that. And, and then it just hit me. I said, Call Marinovich. All they do is speed. You gotta you gotta uh, see you, you, we gotta we gotta get training. Called Marinovich, started doing uh, his Marinovic training system and uh I I I feel, you know, I I feel just as good as I've ever done, but uh I'm not gonna sit here and have you take my word for it. Uh just so watch the fight on Sunday and, and you make your opinion about it, what's going on.
1: Right. Well, it sounds to me like uh, not only are things very familiar for you, but they're they're clicking the way they used to. Um, so, what is it about Marv, you know, that works so well for you? He must have a really good grasp on how to train you specifically. Is it is it a, that kind of aspect of the relationship that makes it so uh, good for you in training camp to work with him?
5: Um, you know what? It's just uh, the, the, the Marinovich brothers. They uh, they're just they're just the best at what they do. Uh, I mean, uh, Marv marv is one of the guys who um helped start the nfl combine he was a strength and conditioning coach for the los angeles raiders for a long time and i guess marv's thing is, is what he always told me him and his brother gary gary marinovich is actually up here with me in uh in uh um, in oklahoma right now he came up with me he's staying with me in the house we're going to do a little a couple warm-ups to wake my body up uh back before the fight come uh friday and saturday we're going to wake back up, but. Uh, yeah, uh, Marv started noticing that uh, the guys with the with the, the the strongest bench press and and the strongest squats and strongest deadlifts they weren't the starters. And then he started putting more uh, more emphasis into uh, agility, balance, and speed. And uh, and then and that's where they that's where they came up with uh, the Marinovich training system.
1: Well, it's clearly been very beneficial for you, and I can't wait to see what working with these guys is going to do uh, for your performance in the cage on Sunday. But aside from Marv, uh, you mentioned your old coach Rudy. Uh, who else have you been working with for this camp? Have you spent any time at uh, Jackson's for this one?
5: No, you know what? I ended up spending all my time in uh, in, in Hilo, Um you know what, I, I feel kind of bad we never really got to talk to Greg Jackson or Winkle John because we all had it in our head, like, hey, let's go do it again one more time. And, uh, you know, and then the UFC put the fight together with Seaver. But I kind of just stayed in Hilo, you know. I You know what, I, I left, uh, the real truth is uh, I left, uh, I been I was gone for a whole year and a half, you know, training for that last fight, and uh, and I just, my kids grow, grew up from, a year and a half yeah. later and I got back and I was like, man, I can not I can not I c I c I can't I can't stay away from them. So I, I my talk to Marv I talked to Marvin Gary and they said, Yeah, we can come down and, and me and Rudy got back in touch together so I'm kinda sad. I'm real sad I'm not with uh Winkle John, um Greg Jackson or Jason Perillo. But uh, you know, um I'm I'm over here, I'm i in great hands and I, I, I really think that the training with uh Marinovich is gonna make a big difference and I and I and I'm glad I'm 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 with my old trainer, one of the most comfortable people I've I've ever been around and he 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 knows exactly what I like and knows how to uh, cater to uh, make sure that to get the most out of me. So I'm Yeah,
1: without excited. a doubt. Yeah, without a doubt. That goes along with like I was saying before, uh doing what's familiar and I completely understand, man, you got a family And it only makes sense to not only be around your family, but for a training camp as well, having the luxuries of seeing them when you go home at night, uh, that, that must make a big difference as well. So let's talk about Dennis Seaver. This was originally supposed to be your opponent for your comeback fight. Finally going down. How do you feel about this matchup with him stylistically?
5: Um, I think, I think he's a great opponent. I think it's a, I think it's a good matchup for me. You know, other people might not. uh, I mean, I, I think, uh, I don't know if Seba was watching my last fight and he was like, oh, we can capitalize here and there, but, you know, that, that that's on him. That's his work he's got to do. I think he's a great fighter. I I never saw him really be disrespectful to any opponents or anything like that. So, uh, you know, he's just out there doing his thing. And, I mean, you know, I I, I don't know. He's never failed a drug test or anything, and I, I'm not into I I don't like a drug tests. I don't like people who... I do uh, any performance-enhancing drugs, but, uh, you know, Usada's here, so I, I, you know, I'm, I'm pretty sure he's natural, I'm natural, and I think it'll be a great evening for us, you know. It'll be a great evening, period.
1: Now, his deadliest weapon has to be the spinning back kick to the body. Uh, aside from that, you know, kickboxing style, does have a pretty nasty guillotine. Um, where do you think he's most dangerous, and what kind of challenges do you think he poses for you, if any at all?
5: No, I think I think he's just dangerous because he's a tough, strong guy, kickboxer. You know what makes him the most dangerous is that he's had a lot of fights in the UFC. That's what makes him the most dangerous opponent. That's what gives him his best edge because uh, he's a veteran. He's been in there. He can punch. He can kick. Uh, he can take you down. He's not easy to take down himself. So, you know, and it's, he's he's a good opponent. He's a he's a good uh, measuring stick for for uh for me uh at this point and uh you know i'm I'm glad he took the fight and i'm glad glad we're both here i don't know if he saw me i i was walking out by the pool area and i seen him out there and um yeah it's, it's good i'm just i'm glad he's here we're both uh get to do our work
1: well you make a great point there this is this fight is a very good barometer uh for the future and 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 you're standing at featherweight uh, but following the fight with Yair, you know, some people were writing you off yet again, and, you know, others like myself just felt like Yair was, was a tough style matchup. Would you agree with that? I mean, I know I, you said you sat down and just felt like you looked slow, but overall, I mean, w- was that just a stylistic difference in, uh, you know, as the adage always is, styles make fights? You,
5: you know what? I mean, just looking back, um, it's just the way the fight got put together and, and, and everything, and the way I was training for the fight, and whatever but uh just looking back i mean why didn't i just fucking slam him on his head like frankie edgar and just fuck him up on the ground you know what i mean <laughs> so uh i didn't even grab i pushed him on the fence i didn't even grab his legs once but uh that was that's how i was training back then i was training for some different stuff and uh you know but looking back now you know abc the basics and uh i believe i could have took the iron down and uh you know, we never know what the future holds. Uh, I'm not running out to say I want to fight. I want to fight or He just beat me. But uh, if we ever get back in the ring again, you know, uh, meet yeah. each
1: other, we will see how it goes. Yeah, hindsight's twenty twenty, 20 as always. Uh, so right? this fight, as as we've mentioned, is very important for you in several reasons. But most of all, I think it's about gratification of your decision to come back. Uh, would you? Have, I, w- I would imagine that you know getting the win here means a lot for not only your career, but I'm wondering how important this fight is for you personally as an athlete. Uh,
5: you know, you know what? Everybody's legacy, legacy, legacy. I just want to say right now, you know, whether I come back and I win and I get the belt, or, you know, and all these things that I want to do, you know. Either way, you know, I don't want to be involved with the greatest of all time talks if the greatest of all time means that you walked away at the right time. I don't care what anybody says, legacy, this, that. You know what I mean? I got to respect someone like Anderson Silva who's staying in there, gutting it out. If, if you're the greatest of all time because you walked away at the right time, then go fuck yourself. I mean, seriously, you know. I'm sorry. I'm getting close to a fight. Uh, uh, pardon no, Not cool. You can but, swear on here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know what I mean? But uh, it, seriously, I, that that stuff, you know, like Fado or what, because he's fighting. If he loses now, he's not the greatest. I mean, give me a break. I mean, It's just uh, people's worldviews on on different things, I believe.
1: Unfortunately, everybody looks at the last fight rather than the the entire body of work. But, uh, you know, this is something I've talked about on the show many times. There's so many critics in the media and the fans. They like to tell guys when to retire. You should have left sooner. Left on top, like you said. However, I've been making the stance that for what you guys do, going out there risking your health for our entertainment... Who are we to say when a fighter should or should, you know, should or should not retire? That being said, you know, what more would you like to accomplish in the sport? And realistically, how much longer would you like to compete? Are you just taking this one, one, uh, one fight at a time at this point?
5: Yeah, no doubt one fight at a time. I mean, it's got to be in a, in, a, in a sport that's grueling. It's, it's, it's got to be one fight at a time. But uh, I want to take it as far as I can go. Uh, and, you know, uh, people, my, my buddy, uh, Texted me the other day. Said, "What's your motivation for this fight?" And I, I didn't text them back because I don't need motivation to fight. You know, I just, uh, I just love this stuff, and I love training. I mean, I can sit around at home, sit on the couch, or go travel or whatever. And there's just nothing like, you know, like the fighting. And I just, I miss it, and and that's, it's just everything. And I love getting in there. I love doing good. Love doing good in the gym. Love doing good against sparring partners. Love doing good in front of millions of people, and uh, you know sometimes you don't do good, but you know it's part of the game, and and uh, it's just it's just it's just, just uh, you know it's like asking somebody, listen oh, why are you gonna go surfing? Because <laughs> I like to surf or whatever it is, you know what I mean? So yeah, it's just uh yeah, it's just what it is, man. That's what it is.
1: Well, you know what I've said it on this on the show a couple times. What, what was your quote? Uh, Birds fly, fish swim, BJ Penn flights.
5: So it all,
1: it all makes sense to me, man. Uh, changing gears here for a moment. Hawaii brought home another belt a few weeks ago. Max Holloway put on a tremendous performance and uh, was a class act after the fight in your division now. Uh, give us your thoughts on Max winning the belt and, and what it means for Hawaiian MMA.
5: You know what? Uh, Max has an amazing, amazing win streak. 11 wins or 12 wins or whatever. I mean, that's just awesome in the UFC. Amazing win, uh, win streak. What what it means for the uh, for Hawaii, um, and I mean it's something that I've said many times, and I knew it was going to happen because I've always said Hawaii has the toughest people in the world, the best fighters, all these different things. And now that uh, Max went out and won the belt, I know there's a bunch of other people right behind them that are that are going to win belts. I have two or three right off the top of my head that uh, that I know are going to be UFC champions one day, and uh, you know it's just uh it, it it's great to see it's great to see because I don't to I there, oh it's awesome I told I told I told everybody there was going to be more champions out of Hawaii but no no it's not about that it's just it's great to see and and now you know Max saw me do it so he knew he could do it one day one day now the other fighters who were wondering who are good enough and they were wondering if they could do it now they see Max do it now they know they can do it so uh, it's just uh it's a very it's a very uh it's a very good thing. It's a very good thing for the state of Hawaii, most martial arts, and a very good thing for all the young up-and-coming fighters.
1: Without question. Um, scrappy people for sure. Uh, and, and both of you guys exemplify that. And you mentioned there's a ton of other guys. I could name several myself as well that are Hawaiian, that are coming through the ranks now. Uh, but changing gears here again for a moment. Big fight announcement. Biggest in combat history, arguably. Made last week, Conor versus Floyd. They've agreed to terms. Give us your thoughts on that fight. Is it good for each respective sport? And how do you think Conor will do?
5: I think it's great. I think it's no different. I mean, I know it's only a boxing match. I don't think it's that much different than uh, Muhammad Ali and Inoki. You know what I mean? And that happened. And I don't know who was yeah. complaining. I don't remember that time. I was just a kid. Or maybe I wasn't born. I don't know. I might have been just a kid. But, uh, you know, uh, um all that stuff, I yeah, you know, uh, I I'll, if I'm around and and I'm not busy that day, I'll, I'll sit down and watch the fight for sure. You know, um, I think I think it's exciting. I think it's exciting for everybody and uh, and and good on Connor. Good on Connor, He went and got that pro, uh, he went and got that made. And you know what? That that does Connor doing that that opens the the doors for a lot of more fighters where they can, if you know, if 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 they scratch Dana's back, you know that, uh, you know, hopefully one day Dana scratch theirs back, just like how he's letting on our fight.
1: Very true. All right, uh, you've been more than generous with your time. I just got a couple more questions here, here for you. But before we get back to the fight on Sunday, I just wanted to touch on the Matt Hughes situation. Uh, I know you guys are former former rivals, very good friends now, victim of that terrible car accident. Uh, MMA community has rallied behind him, and I'm wondering, you know, if you could give us your thoughts on what's gone, all gone down here, and what would your message be uh, to Matt about making his recovery?
5: Man, for Matt, I just want to say, wake up, Matt. Come on, wake up right now. You know, I am feel uh, so terrible for his family, for his brother. I was talking to Robbie Lawler today a little bit. I was asking him, and so, yeah, man, it's a bad situation with, uh, you know, the family, everybody's sad, and everything's going on. And, you know, that's what I was actually planning from here after the fight I where I was planning to head since I'm in Oklahoma already. I'm just gonna go head up there to Illinois and go see Matt and see how he's doing. That was my game plan for after this fight, so so that's what I'm doing and just get to check in and go squeeze his hand myself and uh see yeah. what's going on with that guy.
1: Yeah, definitely tragic stuff and he's a fighter and I expect him to, you know, fight out of this as well. But when you go to see him man, take all the positive vibes from the team with you. Um, so getting back to the yeah, fight on Sunday. Yeah, yes, no sir. problem, man. Get, getting back to the fight on Sunday. What kind of game plan are you anticipating from him? How do you visualize this fight playing out?
5: I think uh, I think he's going to do the same thing he always does. Uh, he can sit there and he can kickbox anybody all day long, you know, as long as you want to. He'll never get tired from that. So I think, but I think yeah, I think he's going to come out, throw his punches. He's got good straight punches, good hooks, great kicks. He might even try to get a takedown. Who knows? But, uh, you know, that's uh, – that's, I, I think I, I expect his normal game plan. I mean, I don't know. I know it's been a couple of years since he's been in the octagon also. But I expect a normal Dennis Fever. And uh, and then I expect for myself to go out there and uh, do everything that I've been working on. I don't really want to tell everything I've been working on. But I think uh, – I really believe uh, how I'm feeling right now That uh, that – yeah, we're going to outclass him out there. And that's no disrespect to him. You know, he's a great fighter. I just feel that, uh, that that, that we're on it right now, but it's going to be a good, good night for
1: us. If you could say anything to him with this, with this fight drawing near, what message would you give Dennis?
5: Actually, you know, I, I would actually be nice to Dennis and I would say, Hey man, thanks for taking the fight. Uh, two old warriors and, uh, and, uh, let's have some fun, man. And, uh, but, but, but know that I'm going to win this fight. You know, I'm that. Just letting you know I'm, I'm not here to lose, but I'm going to win this
1: fucking thing. Do, do you have an official uh, prediction for the fight?
5: Well, yeah, yeah. I'm going to beat him within the first uh, one or two rounds. He'll be done. He'll be done okay. within one or two rounds.
1: All right, man. And in conclusion, for all the devoted BJ, out, B- BJ Penn fans out there, all of Penn Nation, what should we all expect on fight night and moving forward? for the rest of 2017 from the prodigy.
5: Yep. Expect our first uh, get to get back on a, on a winning note on Sunday. And then uh, everybody get, get on the train because we're going to go get the belt. That's all I got to say.
1: All right, brother. Greatly appreciate the time. Much love BJ. Look forward to the big win on Sunday and uh, hopefully we can have you on again soon to recap the victory. Any shout outs or anything you'd like to say before we let you go, man.
5: I just want to say thank you to all the fans for over the years been fighting for the last 16 years. I don't know how long it was. Whoever's still behind me, thank you for still being behind me. And, uh, you know, I definitely want to do a shout-out to Kinch. You're the man.
2: <laughs> and
5: uh, thank you for always having my back, Kinch, and thank you for taking care of business. Oh, hey. I want to shout-out to Scott Hernandez, Chris Taylor, and then everybody, all the boys, all the boys that – uh. Tom Taylor, everybody out there, all the writers, and just thank you guys for keeping this thing up and, uh, and, le- and letting me uh, just keep my mind clean and being able to go through my business. Thank you, guys, and thank the fans. Right Absolutely,
1: on, man. man. It's a pleasure to do this for you, and uh, again, best of luck on Sunday. As you know, we'll all be rooting for you, and I expect a kick-ass performance, my friend. Go get it done on Sunday.
5: You know the rules. You enjoy, man. Enjoy the evening, Kinch. Have a great one. All right. Aloha. You too, buddy. All right.
1: There you have it, folks. The namesake himself, BJ Penn. One of the coolest cats in MMA history, and it truly is an honor to represent his name and his website. Can't say enough about the guy. Looking forward to the fight. I expect all of you to be watching it. Big weekend in MMA, Bellator, NYC, huge card. All of this is covered in-depth at bjpen.com. There was a lot of news I wanted to get into tonight, guys. Whether it be the recap of the Singapore card, previewing this upcoming Bellator card, previewing the Oklahoma City card, too much to do, not enough time for the show tonight. So again, thank you to all the guests. Alexander Volkanovsky, Sugar Ray Seffo, Colby Covington, and of course, our own BJ Penn. Go BJ, Let's kick some ass. BJPenn.com forward slash MMA news is your premier source for everything MMA. Go there now. We'll keep you up to date on the sport that you love of mixed martial arts. I'm Kinch signing off until next week. Going to bring you guys another great show. Peace out.
0: You could try to protect yourself with a bathroom full of plastic balls, or you could get liability coverage through the GEICO Insurance Agency. Visit geico.com and see how affordable renter's insurance can be.